Hey y'all, this is Katie and Not Your Mama's Mental Health. This week we have Susan on to talk about depression and anxiety. So to start off, how long have you been diagnosed? Um, so the diagnosis with anxiety and depression started probably around like 10th grade, I think between nine and 10th grade, my dad took me to a therapist. Um, and she had given me like a diagnosis of being bipolar, but we weren't totally convinced, but like we knew for sure, you know, anxiety and depression were part of it. And then recently, like within the last two years, I was diagnosed with ADHD, which also goes hand in hand with the anxiety. So I think okay. I'm on there. Okay, cool. So you, a couple of comorbid diagnoses going on for you. Yeah. And it was super confusing because I didn't know how to like handle it or how to respond or how to treat it. But I think we're, you know, on the right track. Well, I mean, in the beginning, nobody does. So you know, don't feel so alone there. Um, now, how do you feel like the disorders mix together with everything? Like, how does it <laughs> impact your day-to-day life? Oh, buddy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it depends, honestly. So like at work, I feel like my anxiety kicks in more and I'm definitely more on edge. So like my boss will come up behind me or like try and tap me on the shoulder or, you know, just try and get my attention and I get really jumpy and I'll jump up and then like, you know, fight or flight mode. And then like the depression, sometimes I can't get up in the morning. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to shower. And it's like this like mix of like, I have to do this because I'm anxious and I don't have the energy to do this because I'm depressed so it's like this like awful mix okay so have you ever heard of the spoon theory before I have not heard of the spoon theory okay so what the spoon theory is is you are allotted so many spoons within a day and each activity you have um uses spoons so like to shower it takes two spoons to shower So depending on how much energy you have that day, like how bad your depression and anxiety is, depends on how many spoons you you spend. And the more spoons you spend, you might start taking spoons from the next day and the next day and the next day. And then finally, you just kind of have a break. I feel like some days it takes all seven spoons to take a shower or like to get dressed or brush my hair, brush my teeth. And I'm like dental obsessed, y'all. I work at a dental office. I scale my own teeth and sometimes it takes like the seven spoons to brush my teeth. Exactly. So do you, so you feel like with your disorder, it can take that many just to get through the day, like just to get through one activity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh yeah. And I can relate to that because there are days where I'm like, I have to get up and not only take care of myself, but take care of my 10 month old. Are you kidding me? This is using spoons all week and then the weekend comes and I'm like okay Topher you're in charge or Topher gets home from work at the end of the day and I'm like okay it's your turn (laughs) I'm done for the day I'm checking (laughs) out now yeah I like and it's not always like that but there are some days that are definitely harder to take all my spoons you know yeah do you feel like one of your disorders is more prevalent most of the time or is it kind of a mix of 
this one will be present here, this one will be present there. So I definitely think the anxiety like oversteps everything all the time consistently. And then the depression steps in like, so when it steps in, it overshadows completely everything, but it's not as often. So it's like, and it doesn't matter like what season or what like time of day. It's just like some days the depression is like, you know. So the anxiety is kind of omnipresent and like the depression for you is more episodic. You would, would you say? Exactly. Exactly. How long do you think typically the depression episodes last for you? That is also dependent. Like there have been times that it has taken me months to come out of like this fog. And then there's like, you know, sometimes it might be a week or sometimes it might just be a day. And that's the worst part. It's like, you know, like I feel myself going into this depressive state and I like I have no idea how long it's gonna take to come out of it you're just kind of like okay well I'm here and I'll come out of it eventually it's just exactly. like when will that be exactly okay I and I and I get that because I I get like that too and it's just like okay well how long will this episode last and for me it's like will mania come next or will stability come next who knows exactly exactly now, if you're comfortable talking about this, are you on any medications? Oh, absolutely. And, I have. Oh, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead, Mom. What were you going to say? Oh, um, so I take different medications in the morning, and then I take some in the afternoon, and then I take some at night. Is there any, are they all ones that you have to take every day, or do you have any, like, um, Daddy, like emergency medication that comes in if you have like a full blend. So in the morning and the nighttime, I take every day. And the afternoon is like an anxiety booster. So I only take it if I need it. Um, but like a lot of it. So like in the morning, I take like medication for my depression, anxiety, ADHD. And then in the afternoon, if I need it, I take the anxiety booster and then I take the ADHD booster. And then at night, I take something to help me sleep because I will be up for days at a time. How long was your longest stint with insomnia? Like, how long have you stayed up? Uh, I think the worst of it was like during the, you know, the middle of COVID and the lockdown. I think I was up for a solid three and a half days. Holy cow. That is no naps, no nothing. Like my brain just wouldn't stop. And I had taken, you know, like Benadryl. I'd taken my sleep medicine and nothing worked. I was just awake. And it was brutal. It was brutal. Cause it's like my body was tired, but my brain was like, nope, we're up today, friend. Your brain was like, yeah, no, we could go to sleep, but let's think about these things that happened in like seventh grade that mean nothing to us now exactly or like fifth grade or you know I don't even know like when I was a toddler like it could be anything like let's talk about that time I said have like enjoy your meal to my grocery store clerk you know like what yeah it's just those random thoughts and you're like this is what's keeping me up this is what's keeping me from sleep Three and a half days, I, 
I kid you not. Like it was literal. Yeah, no naps, nothing. I think the longest I've gone without sleep at all was four days. And the longest with like a nap in between or like an hour or two at night, I think I went like a month and a half. And then I told my therapist. Oh, I've done, like, I've done that too. Yeah. She was like, um, you should probably be on like a sleep aid, stronger sleep aid. We need to get you to sleep. Right. Um, now. Sleep's important. Sleep, as my psychiatrist will tell me, sleep is the best mood stabilizer. So I'm fully, I, I fully believe that if you sleep, things will be better in life. Well, I definitely notice a difference. Like when I haven't slept, you know, like in days, like my depression is worse. My anxiety is completely to the tip top. I'm a hot mess hotel. Now, I know you're on medication right now, but are you, see, are you also seeing like a talk therapist or anything? Or have you in the past? I have in the past. And the ones in the past have given me like so like conflicting viewpoints. Like I had one that told me to stop talking to my family completely. I had one tell me that I was bipolar. I had one, you know, I just haven't found the right one. And then I've had a hard time since I moved. So I moved from Virginia Beach to DC. I haven't found you know, the right person up here either. Yeah. And it's definitely tough. I think the, it's so much harder to find a talk therapist than it is to find just a regular psychiatrist for getting help with mental health. No, absolutely. And you have to have someone who like has a similar style or a style that you like or methods that you like. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause my, th- my, therapist that I had growing up I hated and I think when my therapist that I'm seeing now told me so do you want me to be a part of your medical team and like ask me that question I was like oh you the right one for me lady you the right one exactly but like having someone completely like tell me to completely cut my whole family out was not I knew immediately that was it you know like that was it oh yeah and I see her anymore that's not that wasn't right for me I mean, and it, it is for some people, but it's not for everybody. Exactly. Now, how would you say, um, I know we've talked a little bit about like how much energy it takes you to like get up in the morning and stuff sometimes. How would you say though, it impacts your day-to-day life? Um, so for them, it definitely impacts my work. Just like me being there on time, being there looking like ready. Some days I show up, no makeup. Some days I am full of energy, hair done, makeup done, you know, and it's like, you know, people don't know what to expect. And the doctor that I work with has even noticed like my rough day. She's like, oh, like you're having a bad day today, huh? Like, and she'll like, she works with me and she understands and she gives me breaks, which I am so thankful for, but like she can tell immediately like oh it's a weird day like you're having a weird day is that helpful for you to have like a boss that that you're working with that's like oh you're having a weird day like let's do something about this or do you find it kind of off-putting no it's it's extremely helpful like she'll make sure I have like the food I need I'm eating like a nutritious meal. I'm drinking water. I've taken my medicine. 
Like we talk about it. We take a deep breath, like breather together, you know, and she's super helpful about it. And I'm like extremely lucky to have that because a lot of people like their bosses don't even know. Yeah, I would say because a lot of people just don't tell their jobs what's going on. So you think for you, it was very helpful to be upfront and honest and be like, hey, some days are just going to be crap and some days are going to be fantastic. Well, yeah. And like the whole conversation started when I had like my first quote weird day and it's like I wasn't talkative like myself I wasn't talking to my patients the way that I normally do like I completely was just like out of it and she knew immediately and she was like hey what's going on tell me like let me help you and she like gave me a half a day off to go home and like watch movies and relax and you know refresh myself so are you a firm believer in taking mental health days for yourself? Absolutely. No, you're like, a firm believer in it. Do you actually do it? When I can. Okay. When I can. <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. I like run my office. So sometimes, you know, not possible. But the day she lets me go home early or like taking a vacation. Absolutely. If you can do it do it. If you need it, do it. Oh, 100%. I'm, I fully believe that mental health days are, are important. I believe mental health is physical health. So it absolutely is. Like, I know, like, I don't know with my depression, anxiety, like it causes, it causes like physical ailments. Like I vomit, I'm like sweaty. I turn red. I get, you know, it's all tied together. What is it like for you when you come out of a depressive episode? So when you're coming out of that fog, how do you feel mentally, physically? Like, how does that impact you? Um, that also depends on, like, how, how long it's been, how far I went, you know, deep down in the hole. But a lot of times I kind of feel like I'm embarrassed almost like I feel like I neglected my friends or like you know I feel bad for not answering xyz or doing this or doing that because like usually when I'm depressed I like I just stay at home I hide under my blinkies like I don't do anything and I just feel like I neglect everyone and it's like I know I needed to do it but I feel bad about it I feel guilty yeah. And how long do you think that guilt sticks around with you until you're finally able to be like, no, this wasn't me. This was the illness. Like, how long do you think it takes you to separate yourself from that episode? It usually just takes me talking to my friends because, you know, like a lot of my friends that I'm spending time with, they understand, you know, my mental issues. And they're like, no, it's fine. I get it. You know, you were just having one of your rough times which I'm like I've been blessed with like a boss who understands friends who understands like blessed so you feel like overall your circle of support is very good when it comes to coming out of the overall yes but it took me a long time to find the right people how long do you think it took for you to realize that you had the right people around you? 
Mm, well, since moving, I I almost knew instantly, like with the people that I've been surrounding myself with, they just knew instantly. They're supportive. They understand, you know, they let me talk. They've let me cry, you know, and it's like the people I was with at the beach, like no one cared. They're more about like, let's party, party, party. Let's go hang out. Let's do this. Let's do that. Oh, you don't want to come? Like you're not my friend, you know? And it was immature and petty. So you think probably this move was one of the best, would you say it's one of the best things for your mental health? In the it absolutely was even though like when I first moved it tore me to pieces like I was sleepwalking sleep talking stressed out but since I've like acclimated had a job made friends I'm in a much better place that's it's amazing amazing that's good to hear it sucks because I miss you so so much I miss like, I wish I could just package a couple of you guys and just bring you here, but not all of you. <laughs> <laughs> not the ones that would ditch you if you didn't go to a party, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Now, um, with the anxiety, and you said that kind of makes you like a little bit jumpy and stuff. Is there more that it does to you? Um, so it depends, like if I'm having a full on panic attack. So like, there was this one time I was in the backseat of a car, I wasn't driving, which makes me anxious. And we were going somewhere. And it's like my chest tightened up, I couldn't breathe. I thought I was having a legitimate heart attack at like 21 years old. I'm not having a heart attack. I am healthy. Like, what the heck? Like, I literally couldn't breathe, couldn't talk. They had to take me home. And then there's other times where I have panic attacks, like, you know, hyperventilating, but it like depends on the situation. Sometimes I know exactly what triggered me. And sometimes I'm like, what, like I have to reevaluate, you know, like me being in the backseat of a car took me a while because I was like, oh, I'm not the one driving, you know? So do you think like fear of not being in control of the situation can kind of trigger that anxiety? Ooh, absolutely. I am a very in control person. Now, are you somebody that, now this is me speaking from personal experience. The one thing that you always can control is your hair. So are you somebody who has done 10,001 different things to your hair to feel like you had control or do you do other things outside of that to give yourself that feeling of control to keep the anxiety at bay? Um, so I think I do other things. Like there was um, this small teeny tiny window of time where I dyed my hair like aerial red dark black red brown and then back to blonde I'll never do that again but I do other things I think to keep myself in control like um I don't even know I do a bunch of little things to keep myself in control do you have any specific techniques like people do like the finger tapping and stuff to try and keep like, if you feel like a trigger coming on for an anxiety attack, do you have any techniques that you do to try and stop it before it becomes a full-blown panic attack? Um, so I definitely tap my fingers or I, like, mess with the pen. Like, I fiddle with things. I tinker with things. And then I know, like, if I'm super heavily, like, concentrated or super anxious, I, like, uh, clench my teeth, clench my jaw. 
And sometimes I do it so much that I don't even realize that I've done it until I finally like let go and relax. Okay. Okay. I'm like, I've asked you all the questions that I had written down and I can't think of any more to ask. Do you have any questions for me? Can you come visit? (laughs) (laughs) I would if I could. Um, But I'm starting starting a new job because Chipotle finally got back to me. Yay. And I did my onboarding and now I'm just like, oh, okay, I'll wait. Well, how do we want to end this? And then we can have like a talk. (laughs) All right. So this was Susan talking about coming out of the fog. Yay! Yay! And I'll edit more <laughs> later. Thank you for My ending. Me. I appreciate you thinking of me, and I hope this brings, I don't know, someone comfort that you're not alone. We all, not all of us, but a lot of us go through similar things, and you're not alone. And mental health is a real, it's a real thing, and you got to take care of yourself. Yes, exactly. And that's what Not Your Mama's Mental Health is all about, is making sure people feel like they're not so alone. This show isn't about any medical expertise whatsoever. This is just normal people talking about their everyday lives and experiences with mental illness. Okay. I'm so glad you're doing this. I love you. Okay, bye.